0: To another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, a skeptic's discovery of life after death. And before that we start the show, just a quick shout out to my friends in our new Facebook group. If you are a person that is interested in life after death and loves these episodes, you might consider typing into Facebook, We Don't Die listeners. And so a big hello to over 2,300 members of very cool people that are supporting each other uh, many through grief but to believe in the afterlife and really how to have a good life and if you're anything like me there's nobody in my life alive life that really is interested in this so to have a group of so many people is just awesome so also uh next month's coming up september 2017 huge afterlife conference in Scottsdale, Arizona. You can find out more at afterlifestudies.org even if you can't make it or it's after the fact by the time you listen to this. There's some pretty cutting-edge things going on in the world of afterlife communication and really some just awesome stuff. A lot of science involved. You know, people think that science and spirituality don't meet in the world of the afterlife. How wrong because there's some really crazy great things happening. So now onto the show, Uh, I want to introduce you to a nice gal named Trisha Barker. Trisha comes to us from Texas and she teaches English and creative writing at a community college in Fort Worth. She's here today to share the profound near-death experience she had her senior year of college. Her story has been featured on A&E television show, I Survived, Beyond and Back, and she's been featured in the April 2016 issue of National Geographic magazine. She's the author of the forthcoming book titled Healed, a memoir about a near-death experience and a life informed by the other side. She's a great gal and you can find out more about her on her website, which is Trisha barker N-D-E dot com. So Trisha Barker, big welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to get to chat with you. Yeah, I'm excited too. I spent the morning looking at your website and watching you on YouTube and you're just so filled with life and authenticity and I'm like, yeah, you'd be a friend I'd like to have forever.
1: Yes, me too. I feel the same way about your show and all the information that you put out there and, and I totally agree with these Facebook groups. Like most of the people in my family and even you know friends I've had since college are not enthused about this information the way others are and it's so great to connect with you and others
0: I agree, and to find people, and it, it's only a matter of time before we're going to figure out, oh my gosh, there's 20 people that are in this group that are in my area, and we'll be getting together at Panera or wherever. Right. <laughs> and having, <laughs> having groups, I just, yeah, it's great, because when we believe in this stuff, I think it really gives us a better quality of life and having the support. But let's talk about you. I do enough talking. Where's your story begin? Tell us a little bit about your backstory. Are you, are you a Texas girl? I
1: am. I am. I grew up in East Texas, and I was raised in an evangelical home. And um, by the time I was in junior high or high school, my, my parents didn't have a very good relationship. And there was a lot of tragedy, really, to their relationship and their relationship with me. And I kind of turned away from all religion and all talk like that and i cared only about education so my holy grail was getting to college getting out of that small town getting the best scholarships i could get and i was very literal minded you know i just kind of pushed spirituality out to the side i joke you know that emerson and walt whitman were about as (laughs) close to spirituality as i got as an english major okay but um when i had this accident um that is when everything changed. So most of my friends in college were agnostic and you know, just we weren't interested in spirituality. And the very moment that I stepped out of form, I so wanted to come back just to tell them, you know, like, we go on, we go on, I was wrong. <laughs> you know, like, that, was, that was my first thought out of form. Can you tell us what happened in the accident? Yes. So I was um, on my way to run the Austin 10K, which is a big race. And this was a symbol of getting my life back together. I was about to graduate and I'd done done a little bit of partying and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, my grade point average wasn't where it should be. And I thought that this race was like symbolic in some way. It turned out to be symbolic in a totally different way. (laughs) I had a head-on collision and it was written down as my fault. I go back in my mind many times and try to figure out if he jumped the gun on his light, but um, it was a strange... You were driving there
0: to the Austin 10K? Okay.
1: Yes. It was a strange intersection where there's two lights, and I know the first one was yellow, and we both hit each other going about 60 miles an hour. Oh my gosh. So he was in a big suburban, and I was in a small little car, and I knew that something was completely wrong. I couldn't bend over to get to my glove box. So my back was fractured so badly that I was just slumped against the door. And I didn't have health insurance and waited 17 hours before someone operated on me. And yeah, no painkillers, nothing, just strapped to this board, losing my mind in the hospital. And then I went into surgery and that's when I
0: died. Oh man. And how do you even ask (laughs) <laughs> what was that like? I mean, did, you flatlined on the table? I mean, what, what was it for, well, like from your perspective, I guess? is You the...
1: know, the minute I stepped out of form, I guess I was not technically dead yet. So I, I do believe the spirit can leave, you know, when you're getting close right, to death. Right. So I was out of form and I saw my body and it was already opened up and it was very bloody. There was a lot, um, you know, of my back that they had opened up and my hip and... From that vantage point, you know, the body looked pretty gruesome, but I was still excited. I was like, oh, there's this soul. There's this part of me that's the eternal me that really matters, and this is what goes on. And that was my first thought. And then then I looked over and saw the angels, and they were so intelligent. You know, my first thought was, wow, they know so much more about this environment than I do. Like, I can depend on them, and they will give me that information that I need to navigate this part of my life and the angels still continue to, oh, they're very important to me. But in that moment, they did many things at once. They calmed me down and told me everything would be fine. I would walk again and then they sent healing energy through the back of the surgeons and into my body. But that was the moment that I actually died. So that that's when the monitor began to flatline. And I saw that they were the ones that were picking out the bone fragments that were pressing on my spine. And they were the ones that were going to, I don't know, affect it in some way. They, the you angels. Know, my, yes, yes. You know, that they had an effect on my healing. And it was through the doctors. You know, it was,
0: Yeah.
1: it was, you know, through them, but they were altering it in some way. And I was really shocked by that moment. And the only thing over the years that I've been able to connect with that is, well, maybe they can work through us and we can just be more open to that possibility in our lives. And so that was that was the first part of the near-death experience. What and did then it, they
0: look like, if you don't mind me asking? Because I would think, yeah. did you have a moment going like, holy cow, I'm looking down at my own body? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't too fun looking at the body. I, I felt disconnected from it already and more connected to my spirit form, but the angels were larger than me. So eight, nine feet tall and very intelligent. And they were more, they were, I guess, you know, some people call them light beings and I see why, because they weren't solid. Um, You know, they were just uh, the kind of a wavy light and they were beautiful, kind of androgynous. So I couldn't tell, you know, masculine or feminine Mm -hmm. energy, but, but longish hair and light came out of their eyes. And that was the part that was just overwhelming was how much knowledge was telepathically communicated to me. So, you know, it was a different form of communication. And that's, I guess I was struck more by what they were saying and that information that was being passed to me than than what they look like. But, but it was odd, you know, to <laughs> see these eight, nine yes. feet tall <laughs> beings standing there and that um, that part of the near-death experience took place you know in the operating room as soon as I flatlined that's when I no longer wanted to be in that room you know that's when my spirit decided to keep going.
0: Wow could you see other things going on could you see any family friends anywhere? Oh
1: yes yes so as I was leaving the hospital I saw my stepdad and this is my verifiable detail and people who research NDEs, love verifiable details. Mm-hmm. I wish I had more. I probably could have had my doctor participated, you know, in, afterwards and talked with me more. But I saw my stepdad get a candy bar out of the machine, and I didn't know him very well. Um, my mom had married him a couple of years when I, into college, so he's only been in my life a couple of years. And they were super healthy. They never ate candy or sugar, and there he was getting this candy bar, and I thought, hmm, all right, that's interesting. I hope he's good to mom. And I thought I was just dead at that point. Sure. And I was like, you know, let's just hope that they have a good life without me in it. And I kept going. And then I kind of merged. There was this oneness that I felt with everyone I'd ever known and everyone in the town of Austin. I know that sounds kind of strange, but I just felt like I was part of their thoughts for that moment and part of this oneness of the town. And I was above it, and it was dark outside, and then as I, this is how it transitioned from this oneness to sort of a life review to the heavenly landscape, but Mm -hmm. I felt this oneness, and I saw from the perspective of different people who were, mm, they loved me, and they cared about me, and I wasn't that open to them, and I thought, oh, that's so sad that I was so selfish and consumed with myself and my own pain and my own depression that I didn't even reach out to people around me. And I saw that as a lesson. I was like, wow, there's really good people all around us and we just overlook them. Maybe they don't wear cool clothes or maybe they're not, you know, like who you thought would be a friend, but they end up being just amazing because of their heart. And And that moment was like, oh, okay, you know, I see into them and I want to be different. If I come back, I want to really know people for who they are inside. And then I kind of transitioned into more of a life review and I wasn't judged. You know, I was really just kind of shown how to be better in some situations and how to create more love in this world and anything that was done to me. So any abuse that I suffered or any pain or bullying Man, that was just gone, so I didn't have to relive that. That was not part of my that's review. Great. I was just loved, and I felt supported and happy and at peace. And that um, that kind of transitioned into the heavenly landscape, which was just gorgeous. And I, I did grow up close to nature, but that's when it seemed as if nature was talking to me in that environment and giving me messages kind of the way the angels did and the messages were things like remind them to go to nature and i thought oh that's very simple <laughs> you know like you know it doesn't sound complicated but right. but that was a, a really clear message and another message that kind of came from this heavenly landscape was love is all that matters and i was like okay okay <laughs> you know uh-huh. another very simple statement but but you know i held on to it and then as i got into this heavenly landscape, my grandfather was the only person who was dead at that time that I knew. And he was there and much younger, <laughs> you know, I almost didn't recognize him because he looked so good and healthy mm-hmm. and um and young. And he, um, as a child, he was very loving and playful and would often Put me in the back of a pickup truck and let me you know like look at nature and so that's what we did and some people have questioned me about that part of my near-death experience like why would a truck be there <laughs> and i was like i wouldn't have recognized my grandfather if it wasn't for his blue truck because he looks so young <laughs> like i wouldn't have known it was him mm-hmm. and so i think it was like this way of of him telling me you know this is me right and so I was in the truck, and then he turned to me and he said, Well, it's up to you. Do you want to keep going? And I said, Definitely. You know, and I saw this light, and the light was beckoning to me. and so beautiful. And so my spirit form was just going toward that light, which I consider the light of God. And I felt different people's prayers trying to pull my spirit back. And I felt the exact words that they said. You know, one aunt had lost a daughter, about my age and I could hear her clearly begging God, you know, don't let this happen. You know, don't let her die. And then, you know, I I just felt, you know, mom and dad and and different people praying, but I didn't care like that. And this is, you know, everyone's different. Mm -hmm. And I think um, I was pretty broken at that time. You know, I was a really lost, sad person. And I had never experienced that kind of love and I didn't want anything more than that love. You know, I was like, this is what I've always dreamed up, what I've always hoped for. And I don't want to come back to that body in that life. You know, I want to stay here Mm -hmm. and it supported me in a way that was, Oh, so amazing. (laughs) Near death experiencers often cry at this moment. And I do too, because when I think about that love and that light of God, Well, if we only could feel just a glimpse of that every day, we would be so at ease. There would be no worry, no pain, nothing. You know, we would just feel that we are perfect the way we are and we're part of God. And so I wanted to keep going and merge and, and be in this place forever. But God stopped me and said, look down. And there were all these lights along a river. And I immediately just kind of knew that these would be students and that I would have to remind them of their spiritual purpose and that I had some mission to be in their lives to really just help them turn on their lights and and not be lost and uh, and I didn't want to do this <laughs> even then. and so I you know I knew that when I was in college I wanted to make money when I left college possibly go into editing or law or you know many mm-hmm. many different possibilities. And then it was just very clear, not that I was going to be a spiritual teacher, but that I was going to be an actual teacher. <laughs> and I was like, no, oh. this, this is not my plan. And I didn't have, you know, much more time with God. Um, and then I was back in my body. And of course, that being the last message from God, I couldn't not do it. <laughs> so I knew I
0: had to teach. Wow. And then waking up in your body, I can't even imagine the pain. Oh, so disorienting. And my first thought was,
1: oh, darn, you know, I have to be, you know, like encased in her consciousness and her mental limitations. And, you know, in that place of so much knowledge and connection and beauty, you know, we're very limited when we come back to our bodies. I mean, certainly we can access, you know, more of that through meditation. And I know this now, but, you know, at that time I was just like, oh, boring, you know, 3D reality, (laughs) not what I want to come back to. Mm. And then all the pain, too. So even though, you know, I was very groggy from the anesthesia, and all of that, I was cognizant enough to know in that very moment that I died. And that's all I wanted to talk about. (laughs) You know, so it became, you know, clear to my surgeon and everyone that that was what I wanted to discuss. And they were not so happy about it <laughs> you know like there were um you know they kept trying to move the topic away from my death but i did get confirmation that that my surgeon said she thought she lost me for a couple of minutes but i was fine
0: wow how about the candy bar did you find <laughs> out the guy ate the candy bar? yes
1: yeah, yeah. so you know about a couple of weeks later i asked my mom about that and i was like did james go get a candy bar And she said, yeah, he was uncomfortable when my real dad showed up. He'd never met him before. And, you know, mom and dad were talking. And so he walked around the hospital and let them talk. And then he came back with this Snickers bar in his hand and he made a joke when he walked back into the room and everyone felt better. But she said that while he was walking around, she fell to her knees and started praying. And so did my dad because she was pretty certain that I died. And I thought that was really interesting. I do believe there is a biological connection between people and she must have known at that
0: moment, you know, that I had died. Just shows the power of prayer. And even talking about the candy bar, there's I I don't know if you know, Dr. Ken ring. He, Oh yeah. uh, Yeah. He's awesome. He, he followed up with a lot of Dr. Raymond Moody's, um, investigations but he studied only blind people who had never had a oh. vision and there's a great story of a lady who had a near-death experience and she could see for the first time and she saw the doctor wore two different color socks and the, <laughs> he dropped a pen and her husband reached down and picked up the pen and gave it back and like all of that was correct it's amazing yeah. i mean
1: i love those verifiable details like that i've, I've heard some cool stories along those lines and that that should be enough to make everyone a believer, right?
0: <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> I think so.
1: <laughs> that alone, you know, and I think uh, that's what I keep telling my agnostic friends many times. I'm like, but I have a verifiable detail outside of my body. Mm-hmm. And I think they just kind of shut down at that point. That's like, oh, well, okay, maybe. <laughs> and they It's just
0: not where they want to go. Yeah, it's hard being human, though. You know, even all these <laughs> interviews I do, it's like... Did that really happened? Did they really say that? <laughs> no? <laughs> I think that's just the na- nature of your humanity. So when you came back and you healed, which I would assume took a long time.
1: Yeah, yeah. So back then in 94, they put you in a body cast. So a Texas summer is what I spent in three to four months. It was, you know, my accident happened in late April. So May, June, July, August is when I got out of the cast. But I was in a body cast and Learned to walk very slowly, so I walked to the mailbox first, and then I walked down the street, and my neighbors cheered me on. You know, I was this odd looking, <laughs> odd looking kid in a big body cast, and uh, but I was so full of life, like so different from who I'd been before. You know, I'd been very shy, and then I knew all my neighbors on the road, <laughs> you know, on our street, and I just would talk with anyone who wanted to talk about what I'd gone through.
0: And, you know, I just felt blown open wide. So you really had the experience transform you?
1: Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, you know, there were lots of after effects. And I didn't have anything other than Raymond Moody's books and Dan and Brickley. I know there's near-death experiencers who had, you know, these experiences in the 60s and didn't even have that. Right. But that's all I really had. But they felt, you know they felt like friends. I was like, they get me. (laughs) They understand what I went through. And around me, people were a mix of belief and disbelief. And so, you know, just reading these, these books gave me great peace. And I actually went to hear Brinkley speak and, you know, he's funny and confidence and so i was like well you know what i'm just gonna go through my life with confidence as well this is my story my experience and exactly i own it
0: <laughs> yeah i interviewed him on this show and he was so funny
1: oh, oh yeah great He's <laughs> just
0: great he's called me yeah. sand uh, which, yeah. come on yeah. sand <laughs> like, yeah, all right <laughs> it's great It's great yeah So he was then, like before my nde i was an sob <laughs> he was he was a bad guy yeah uh, yeah it's just, it's so heartwarming to hear and then how did now this is obviously many years after the fact. I mean, you're you're writing your book, you've got your manuscript out, right? Uh, yes. and we're looking for a publisher now to publish these great words. Um, but you're somebody who now really feels drawn to help well, help everybody, but in specific there's college kids need your yeah, wisdom.
1: So yeah. That's that's where I was at my lowest and you know, that's where my near death experience occurred. So I think that I mean people come to college and they want to make their lives better in some way you know they want a better job or they want you know the job that they want and and they also though come very broken you know from abuse or trauma or um dysfunction you yeah. know in their family lives and and they sometimes try to figure it out in a psychology class but but why not give them the information early on about healing you know why not tell them You know, like this is how I healed and it took all these many years. Maybe if you commit to a program right now of recovery and right now start addressing these wounds in various ways. And it's always different for everyone, you know, where they they get the most healing. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to open up the idea of healing from those wounds before they get married, before they start families, before, you know, they, they get to this place of uh, just believing it'll all work out. Because I think there's a lot of power in examining where you came from and what you need to learn in order to have a different life.
0: Say more about that, would you? Because I know that even though I'm over college age and many of us are, yeah. <laughs> we, still, we still have those kids within us that, things haven't yeah. been dealt with or looked at and we all want yeah. that happily ever after but
1: yeah so say someone has um suffered a lot of narcissistic abuse or emotional abuse and that that's was my case um you know i didn't i didn't know that i kept attracting narcissists into my life you know like i didn't really know the signs to go wow this person you know, makes me feel really good in the beginning. And then they somehow make me feel bad. And, but I want to get back to that place of being adored and happy. And I didn't really think it was wrong to be treated that way, because that's what I grew up with. And so I think, you know, just even that alone, that information you know, given to college students when they really, if they could just sink in, you know, like this is not how you should be treated by anyone, you know, and, and know this, you know, on some deep level, then maybe they would learn to step away and to start more than that, to heal that part of themselves and really go, I can love this wounded child within me. And I can be that parent to that wounded child who didn't get the love (laughs) that they needed and really you know, like once that process begins, then then you're really on the right track because you're not looking for it in someone else. You're going, I can do this. <laughs> you know, I can take care of myself. I can take care of my emotional needs. And I can make wise choices about who I choose for friends and, and also learn along the way.
0: Oh, I'm so proud of you for doing this. I know a, a young woman who's almost 18 and she's got these parents that, you know, Drugs, alcohol, abuse, cheating on each other. I mean, it's, it's all in there. And, yes. um, and, and being any kid, you, you know, I think we look to up to our parents. They're our anchors to life. And right. we don't know that this isn't normal. Yes. And oh. I would give anything to, I mean, uh, there's a few of us doing the best we can with her, but for, somebody to step in saying this is not all right even though you know we're doing that it's such so much in our life thinking well you know that's what happened to me you know I'm not good enough I'm not pretty enough I'm not smart enough and all these underlying things we start feeling about ourselves.
1: Yeah it's so common and that's what I realized in the classroom is that yes I suffered you know various things from various people as a kid and yet what I experienced is a drop in the bucket compared to some of the situations that I saw in other kids' lives that required, you know, immediate assistance and, you know, calling CPS and the police and getting involved in a real way. And sometimes these situations wouldn't change even after all that. And I had to just be that anchor for that student and say, you can get through this, you know, like you can get a job, you can stay out of your home as much as possible you know, you can, you know, there are things that you can do to make it through this life and keep looking at your future. And so I just hoped that I was that voice that, you know, just reminded them that they could get through it, you know, and that they could create a different life. And and it was painful, some of these situations that, you know, I encountered in students' lives. I sure. mean, I, I just came home and cried and cried and cried. But in retrospect, I'm like, I'm so glad I was there because there were so many people who, overlooked, you know, different kids who'd gone through different things. Like there was, t- there were teachers who actually, and this blows my mind, but they blamed a young girl for wearing a miniskirt to a party who was raped by three guys. And I, I just tore into them. I was like, you're out of your mind. You know, like this young girl is not to blame, yeah. you know, like this is, you know, these boys should be held accountable. I mean, yeah, I mean, we can o- always talk about your personal safety and go into parties and not accepting drinks, and, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we can always, you know, look at these elements, but, but, you know, the, the mind and the culture of different people, even teachers that I encountered, I was like, well, thank God I'm here, <laughs> you know, like, thank God that I can, you know, address this in a different way and, you know, tell this young girl that, you know, she's not to blame.
0: Yeah, we hear these stories all the time um, of you know, kids that are now adults, but life was going really bad. And they always say, it was my teacher so-and-so and and my teacher so-and-so that believed in me. And sometimes it just takes that one person.
1: Yeah. And that that was a message from God too. You know, like, I went into every classroom believing that the divine spark was in all of them, no matter how angry or how lost or how um, messed up their lives were. It was like, I'm here to see that divine light and it may not get turned on at that moment. <laughs> you know, it might just be that I'm simply giving them a possibility of it down the road. And, and that really did make four miracles in the classroom. I mean it, you know, maybe not for everyone. I'm sure some people just tuned me out and, you know, another teacher, but, but there were certainly kids who I know their lives were altered because they came across my path. And I felt like it was, divine intervention you know is meant to be there
0: yeah and even now sure there could be some college age students but even if we're 50 60 70 years old there's still that person inside i really believe at each one of us that um you know they may have escaped and not had a teacher then or somebody that talked to their light you know but it's it's not too late and you're talking to each one of us right now
1: yeah that and that Connection. It's something that I forgot about, you know, at times in li- life. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of near death experiencers talk about how they come back and they're so full of life. And, well, certainly life hit me pretty hard in different situations. And I never completely lost that thread, that connection to God. But there were certainly times when I was just depressed about being back here and suffering. Yeah. And, and yet, I think the healing really comes from examining that connection to God. And I think that that's what what can heal a lot of people, is just realizing that, you know, they do have that access to that unconditional love and that peace of God. And no matter what they're going through, that it you know, they may not feel it in that dark moment, but it does exist. And it can be accessed again.
0: How can we access it?
1: <laughs> you know, nature is one way, you know, like there's many ways, but certainly uh, grounding and taking walks in nature will at least make the nervous system calm down a little, maybe enough to meditate and to pray and and to... Um, fight with the mind almost, you know, like I I do suffer from depression. So Mm -hmm. I kind of treat my mind as if I'm training it, (laughs) you know, like, no, no, don't think that way. Stop it. (laughs) Think this way, get into this energetic place where you're much happier. And, you know, in this place of um, (sighs) even if you have to force yourself there, you know, just even with statements or affirmations until you're in this better energetic place, that's a beginning, but I think staying open in general, too, like through meditation, and just go, Angels, God, you know, please come to me in this meditation, come to me in this moment, and just that openness can sometimes allow that flow.
0: Yeah, that's great advice because I, I think nature of the beast being human yeah everybody hears me so positive and happy-go-lucky on this show I've got lots of down times I don't know if I'd call it depressed or not but sometimes it's hard to get out of the house it's hard to go outside I mean it's you know I'm trapped in my own thoughts and what I have to do and it's always refreshing to hear somebody say you got to train your mind you don't have like we don't have to buy into the thoughts that it's thinking you know I'm not purposely putting those thoughts in but Going getting some sunshine on my shoulders or going for a walk or putting on some happy music.
1: Um, yes.
0: Yeah. Exactly. I, once I even put on some of my favorite dance music and the last thing I felt like doing was listening. But I forced myself <laughs> to, to dance a little and it made me feel good. I thought... Yes. It's such a silly little trick, but um, but it, it helped.
1: Oh, yeah. Like, I I believe that dancing is very grounding too, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever I do a really long meditation, I'll either go outside and, you know, just stand in the grass or either dance or something to just bring me back into the body. And, and that's, you know, that is very helpful. Um, you know, there, I think what is beautiful about near death experiences and people who listen to others who talk about spiritual matters and spiritual experiences is I think it does connect us again to that flow of light. I mean, I'm sure that's partly one of the reasons why you like studying this is you hear these stories and then you're in that place for a little bit.
0: Oh, without a doubt. I can't be having a bad day and then pick up the phone and call you and then hang up and be, (laughs) woe is me. I don't matter. (laughs) No, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Now, through meditating, Tricia, have you felt like you've gone home, back with the angels? Have you had any connection that you feel like? Oh, yeah. You have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I've, many times I've felt the angels just there to comfort me or give me messages. Um, You know, I've had, it's, it sounds so strange and I'm such a grounded person. So now that I start talking about this stuff openly, um, you know, I, I know how it sounds, but I've left form and I've flown around in the sky and I had this one really beautiful meditation where I felt like I merged with this hawk and the hawk was like going down to catch a mouse in a field. And I felt like what it was like to go that fast and, and go towards earth and catch this, this mouse. And I thought, okay, that's strange. And the next day I got into my car and a hawk, I've never seen a hawk do this. You know, like normally they'll sit on a, a fence post or signpost or whatever far away but this one swooped down by my car so close and was flying next to my car and then it flew off and then it came back to my car (laughs) and and kind of just you know flew along beside me and I was like this is so strange it's almost as if the hawk was trying to tell me you know your meditation was correct and that's great
0: And your meditation, do you just concentrate on your breath or try to quiet your mind or can you, how do you meditate yourself?
1: You know, I just love it. So I, I try many different forms of meditation. So yeah, certainly we'll do, you know, a 20 minute meditation where I'm just following my breath and calming my mind. But I do enjoy guided meditations from various people. You know, I think I like to Sometimes when I'm in an agitated state, um, I find it easier to follow someone and to follow their guidance and get out of myself in that way. So I love that type of meditation. Um, I just was at the IANS convention in Denver and even Alexander and Karen Newell had a meditation with sacred
0: acoustics. Mm-hmm. And oh my
1: gosh, that was beautiful. I love that. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that was really wonderful.
0: I interviewed both of them, separate occasions, but Karen Newell talked about the sacred acoustics and uh, just beautiful. Oh. And I know just what you mean. Sometimes just following somebody. I created a guided um, meditation um, and um, it's called Reconnections. And if anybody wants it, it's free. Uh, but oh, go nice. to wedontdie.com and just click on reconnections and it's will do it. Tw- yeah, it's 20 minutes and it is putting you in the space and reconnecting you with your loved one who has crossed over mm. and it it seems in the beginning, you know, sometimes maybe it's hard to quiet your mind, but I really truly believe that meditation is like a muscle to build and and even allowing that space where your loved ones can meet up with your frequency and what ends up happening to many people, including myself, is the images come, you know, clearer and clearer and they don't seem like dreams. They seem like something that, that's actually just happened. And I say it's because it has, you know.
1: <laughs> yes. So so, I, so you connect with loved ones.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I want to be doing more of these visualizations. I know I've listened to others and I think maybe you need yeah. to create one too to go along with your book. That would be great. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, that, um, I in the book, there are certain moments where I have verifiable moments from, you know, my grandfather and then father from the afterlife helping me in certain moments. And so I think That's those great. who are skeptical about communication with loved ones or say, oh, that's wishful thinking. I'm like, well, but I, I'm here to bring some verifiable details. Like I had to leave a negative marriage and I had to leave quickly. And my grandfather came to me and he was like, get in your car and drive. And I just followed his directions. It was a street I'd never gone down. We drove way out into the country. I say we, cause you know, I felt his spirit with me. Mm-hmm. And I ended up at a jewelry store and I looked at my wedding ring and I thought, okay, let's just give it a shot. Maybe they buy used jewelry and the guy bought my ring for $1,000 and that was enough to get a U-Haul and just get out of there. And I was like, wow, you know, that was a, a moment where my life changed because of that guidance and had I not, and I did actually ask. So I pulled over on the side of the road and I was like, God, help me here. You know, how did I get in this situation? Help me get out. And that's when that guidance came.
0: That's really great. Have you found, Tricia, that you've opened up your intuition or have you been with somebody and you've been able to either um, feel like a presence of one of their loved ones around or a, a message or an angel or anything like that? Because I hear those kind of stories from time to time.
1: Yeah. Not everybody. Well, it was it was easier with students because I thought I'm open, you know, like every day in the classroom, I was like, if, if angels or if God wants to work through me, then go ahead. And then occasionally I do have a student who has recently lost a loved one. And I, a couple of semesters ago, I did have a young girl who lost her dad. And so it was, you know, just like two or three minutes before creative writing class started. And I said, you know, all right, <laughs> is there a message that you have for your daughter? And he told me that she's very talented in something that doesn't have to do with academics. And that's all. And That's all I got, you know, that I had to start class. And so I just talked with her, and I didn't even at first let her know that this was her dad. But I was like, what do you like, and what do you consider doing for a career that's outside of education and she was like I would love to open a food truck oh my god you know like baking oh, great. is my passion yeah 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 <laughs> and I was like really will you have you considered culinary arts or you know have you con-? she's like yeah kind of I'm torn between being in college or doing that and I was like well take a chance on it <laughs> it was like you know you can always come back to community college but if you I see you light up about this and she was like yeah my dad thought I'd be great at it, and, and she was like, and I was like, I, I kind of felt that from your dad. I hope that doesn't freak me, freak you out, <laughs> and she was like, no, not at all, <laughs> and so it uh, was just this moment where I think, you know, that that might help her in some way.
0: Hmm. And I love, too, that you're teaching, because they say creativity and imagination, like, those that's the entryway to work with the, the spirit world, you know, and so, If you're doing creative writing with people, (laughs) I mean, create, it gets you into the zone, I think. It really does.
1: It does. And you know this, I'm sure, from writing, but writing is healing, too. It's many, it's deepening of ideas that um, stay with you throughout time. And I think my students, we've talked about issues from everything, about from racism to rape to you know recovery from alcoholism I mean like you know we have not shied away from difficult topics and I think there's something healing about writing these stories and I always tell them you know you're welcome to create a happy story you know of your life the way you would rather it be so that you can anchor you know that feeling but if you want to process trauma we can do it but we are going to focus on uh, on healing
0: Hmm. I like that idea of of writing the story the way we'd like it to go.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Almost as if God were, were, uh, you know, part of our, our life in a way that, you know, so when I recreate my childhood, then I just create that feeling of safety that I felt in the presence of God. And I think we all deserve that. And so it's kind of an interesting story to at least refer back to and go, well, this is the feeling that I'd like to create in my life now.
0: Yeah. Is there a way, Tricia, to create that feeling of self-love? Because I, I hear so many great stories of these NDEs <laughs> with this feeling of overwhelming love. And it's like, oh, I want a taste of that. <laughs> I don't want to wait.
1: <laughs> well, the yeah, the first few years, I was just so happy Every bite of food. I was like, I'm alive. Okay, this is great. <laughs> you know, like wow. Whatever I put in my mouth, you know, this is fun. <laughs> you know, just like the the form became fun again because I it had been ripped away. And you know, I didn't I, I just appreciated every moment. And I think if we all slow down a little bit more, even if we look strange to the rest of the world as we gaze at a tree or a bird mm-hmm. in the tree, <laughs> you know, like right that still allows us to slow down and just appreciate it. I mean, we, we all wake up, you know, to those, these moments when someone close to us dies. And then we feel that too, you know, that, Oh, I'm still alive. And, Oh, I just lost someone. And, you know, we have to process all that, even if it's just a friend, you know, that acquaintance, mm-hmm. I think we're reconnected again with how temporary everything is. But I think if we just remind ourselves of that more often, then we'll just enjoy the moment.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, our time is drawing to the end. Are there any questions or anything you want to share, questions that I should ask you that I haven't or um, something else you'd like to share, some wisdom perhaps, or even even <laughs> a, a bit of advice of like how we can change our day right now if we're in a, a little bit of a slump or... Hey, the Whoa. floor is yours, my friend. The floor is yours.
1: <laughs> I think the uh, main thing that I took away from the near-death experience was do as much good as you can do in this world. But that, when your life review happens and you see that you went out of your way to spread as much love, to do as much good, to embody that love, then you really, you've lived a great life. I mean, there's just, there's no other you know, way to describe it, whether you're working at Starbucks or running a company, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're giving love to this world, then you're in that flow of that God light. So sometimes it's just a matter of um, giving and serving this world that can reconnect us to to our own
0: happiness. Yeah, they say service is the coin of spirit. And I believe, I believe (laughs) that when... We do give, we receive, or even if we're having a bad day, you take the focus off yourself and focus on doing something for someone else. And it comes back to you 10 times. You know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh. And did you ever uh, end up running your 10K?
1: I did. You the did? next year. <laughs> yeah. The next and, year. Wow. So my friends were out on the streets clapping for me. It was kind of like a big deal, you know, to of course. Uh, be that broken and then, then run the race the next year. So, I did have a full recovery, and that was
0: that was uh, great. That's miraculous with the an- angels' help. So, can yes. you, would you <laughs> welcome people getting in touch with you? I know oh, you- definitely, definitely. And your website yes,
1: is um, it's trisha barker n d e dot com. Oh, perfect.
0: And even just below this episode, if you're listening on iTunes or YouTube or however, I have that. Um, that link as well. And we're looking forward to your book coming out, which listeners, if you keep checking back on this page, uh their book will be called Healed: A Memoir About a Near-Death Experience and a Life Informed by the Other Side. And Trisha, I really want to thank you for being our guest today. Oh, thank you. I've loved it and love your show. Oh, thanks. It's really <laughs> great for me and for all of us to hear your story because love is the answer you know love is is all that matters um and i love your advice go out in nature i've got an hour off between between now and my next call so it's a beautiful sunshiny day i'm going to go sit back outside on a bench and look at a tree and listen to the birds (laughs) oh awesome i love it (laughs) i am and for you our listener i want to thank you for taking the time to listen today and i invite you to do the same thing find some time to go out in nature uh do something to get out of your head whether it's like something crazy going out and dance Um, but we do have this ability to not listen to our thoughts and to change our mind like trisha said Uh, i think her advice of going out and do as much good as you can in this world is a great thing because i do believe our life will flash before our eyes and we'll have this review and and just to see the difference that you've made i don't think there's anything like that so i want to remind everyone our home base is com, where you can see and click on one of 200 episodes now of this show which is wild that we've come this far in a couple years and also you can join the Insiders Club, get a free copy of my book, We Don't Die, as well as a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. Earlier I mentioned if you go to simply and click on reconnections that's that guided visualization I had spoken about earlier in the show again I'll be speaking live and in person in Scottsdale, Arizona in September in 2017 and I'm hearing it's also going to be in 2018 18. So I'm excited about that. And you can always go to afterlifestudies.org to find out more. And lastly, hello again and adios to uh, everyone but to join our Facebook group We Don't Die listeners just type that into the search box because everybody needs community everybody needs a friend and like we've talked about in this episode having somebody that believes in you especially someone who's been where you are right now many many of us have lost a loved one and are grieving it really helps to have a, a friend in your corner and you actually have a couple thousand in your corner so I invite you to join that so in closing my name is Sandra Champlain and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio and I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important so find some love today for yourself even looking in a mirror and telling yourself I love you because you are lovable so thank you for listening and we'll see you soon